Amen. Thank you for that uh, wonderful music this morning. I know that typically uh, this is where we would welcome our guest, and I want you to know that I'm thankful if you're visiting with us this morning. Uh, you are an honored guest, and uh, typically we would have a right hand of fellowship at this point. Um, but today, I need to, uh, for a few minutes, shift um, the past. If you will, take your Bibles to Psalm chapter 127. If you know me, this is um, out of the ordinary. I need to uh, talk to you for a few minutes. As you know, I don't and never have mixed anything with the pulpit. I take uh, this as the most high reverence, honorable position uh, by God. I don't mix sports with the pulpit. I don't mix politics with the pulpit, and typically I do not mix current events with the pulpit. I'm sorry. My heart is... very heavy for our country. My heart is very heavy for the church's response to the country. I don't want any of you to get mad at me this morning or get upset with me, even though some of you may leave that way. I feel very moved by God and passionate about this this morning. And I need to share with you. This week, people have been, people's lives have been taken. And our nation is on high alert today. If you drive down the portals of even Carrollton and Douglasville and Hiram and other places, our country is on very high alert. We have dealt with circumstances such as this and other countries, and we've sent our men and women to protect but here we are in 2016, in the month of July, struggling to protect our own people. Social media has blown up this week. 
people are beginning to take sides. And the church is beginning to take sides. I received three phone calls this week. And they said, Pastor, why are you remaining silent? I'm going to tell you something. Social media is not a platform to express our agreements or disagreements. Because many times social media is taken in the wrong way. Because the person or the persons that are reading it are not able to hear it verbally. They're able to read into it their own thoughts and their own responses and how they think that you are portraying it. So I don't use social media as a platform personally. Today, I feel like we need to use the pulpit as a platform. What is happening to our country, Pastor? What is happening where people are being murdered and then taking vengeance upon themselves and murdering others? Where does it end? Where do we get to the point where we can maybe even feel safe going out of our own homes in some circumstances? I want to remind you of something this morning. that The Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of love and of a sound mind. And I think it's important as Christians that we become a sound mind. I want you to know this morning that what we're experiencing in our country, as much as people would have it to be, is not a racial war. It is a flesh war. This is not divided by race. This is divided by the hearts of people. My Bible still says, for God so loved the, he did not specify any type of racial division. Where have we fallen short, Pastor? Psalm 127 and verse number 4. As arrows... Are in the hand of a mighty man. So are children. Of the youth. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are children. Of the youth. Verse number three. The Bible says. Lo children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As the 20th century began, many classrooms started each day with the Pledge of Allegiance, a prayer, and a reading of the Bible. Many churches turned their schools over 
the state to this uh, over the state-run educational system. State-run schools continue to teach moral values using the McGuffey Reader with its Bible verses. America had one of the best school systems in the world. The first crack in the moral school system occurred in 1925 when a newly found organization paid a teacher in Tennessee to teach evolution. Biblical creation had been taught throughout the land and teaching evolution was against the Tennessee state law. This organization lost the court case. However, it set into motion a reevaluation of teaching science. Within four decades, the laws were reversed so that now teaching creation is outlawed and teaching evolution is mandatory. This same organization then started using the courts to change school policies. In 1948, the Supreme Court used the separation of church and state argument to outlaw a time for school prayer. And June, on June 25th, 1962, in the case of Engel versus Vitelli, the Supreme Court declared that prayer in school was unconstitutional. In 1963, in the case of Abington School District versus Shemp, reading the Bible in the schools became unconstitutional. And then in 1980, the Supreme Court declared that posting the Ten Commandments in a school classroom violated the Constitution of the United States. Today, we are 54 years removed from the first ruling in 1962. You know what that translates to? That translates to two generations. A generation is 25 years. As a result of churches and Christians taking a back seat to the things that are happening in our world, we are now two generations from Bible reading and prayer being a part of our school system, which is now translating into a world that's filled with destruction. Did you see the verse? As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. History shows us that when societies become corrupt, they begin to come apart and they begin to crumble. Let me read you something that's very staggering to me. Looking to future generations does not paint an optimistic picture for the importance of church going. Millennials, those that are 30 years and under, stand out at least likely to value church attendance. Only 2 in 10 believe it's important. And more than one-third of the millennial young adults, 35%, take an anti-church stance. In contrast, elders, those over 62, or excuse me, 68, who, by the way, still had prayer and Bible reading in their schools, still hold these values and are most likely to view church as very important. Compared to one quarter who deem it not important at all. Boomers, ages 49 through 67, and Gen Xers, ages 30 to 48, fall in the middle of those polar opposites. While tens of millions of Americans attend church each weekend, the practice has declined in recent years. According to Barna Group's 2014 tracking data, overall church attendance has dipped from 43% in 2004 to 36% today. 
But beyond a dip in attendance numbers, the nature of church growing is, a cha- is changing. Listen to this. Regular attenders used to be people who went to church three or more weekends each month. Three or more weekends each month. Or even several times a week. Now people who show up once every four to six weeks consider themselves real churchgoers. So when you look at the statistics, when we say that now there are only about 25 to 30% of people in America attending church regularly, that includes people that only attend church four to six weeks. Every four to six weeks. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. What is my response to what's happening in America today? This is my response. My response is, is it's time for us to wake up as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever the case might be. This is what's happening. And, and, and again, I, I'm not trying to be critical and I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you how I feel that God has led me to share it with you. As straightforward and as honest as I can be. This is what's happening. Church and, and, and Christian values and, and, and Christian homes are declining on a rapid rate from generation to generation. And, and, and as we're raising our children, as we're teaching them, and, and we teach them that going to church every four to six weeks or reading your Bible is just the time for church or praying is just something that we do when we give thanks for a meal if we're not in public. And we wonder why it is when they graduate from high school and go out on their own, why they don't go to church. We wonder why they're making the decisions that they're making. And then they get married and begin to have children. And, and then it's going to translate into from, from four to six weeks to six to eight weeks to eight to 12 weeks to being a regular churchgoer. And the only time we're implementing any type of God is in two different circumstances. When we go to church those one or two times and when tragedy comes in our lives. And we say, well, Pastor, I, I, you know, we've got so many things happening in our lives. And, and, and this event and that event. And, and this will take us away from it. And this will take us away from it. And you say, Pastor, it's okay. My children understand. They understand that church is not important. They understand that, that prayer in a restaurant is not important. They understand that reading our Bibles and having a time with God is not important. That's what we're teaching them. By the way, that's what they will teach their children, and that's what they will teach their children, and that's what they will teach their children. You say, Pastor, can you prove it? We're two generations away, and we're scared to walk out our front door. Because we've taken God. We, 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 we rise up and we say, how can they possibly take prayer out of school? How can they possibly take Bible reading out of school? How can they say it's unconstitutional to pray at a, at a, at a graduation? How can they say that we can't even stand up and say a pledge of allegiance under God? How can we not do that? And yet, when is the last time that you sat down and had family devotions with your own children? 
When's the last time that you sat down and read your Bible as a family? When's the last time that you, you got into the Word of God and studied it and heard it outside of this place? And yet we want to stand and we want to criticize and say, how could they do that when we're not even doing it ourselves? I think with everything that's in me, that our response is, is it's time for us to do what God has instructed us to do. Stop looking out here. Stop saying, I can't believe that this is happening. Because I agree with you. I can't believe it. And, stop and start looking right here. Start looking within your own life and say, what am I doing? What am I doing to help the generations that are ahead? I'm going to get really down to earth with you. You say, Pastor, um, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about praying, and I hear what you're saying about reading our Bibles. But is there anything else? Yes. First of all, I think it's time that we really teach what respect really is. I know I'm about to be old-fashioned, but you just hang on. It's okay to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. It's okay to say... Pastor Parker, come on. It's okay to say that that's Mr. Gerald. It's okay to say and teach our children what that means. Listen to me, church. My name is Dad to my children. My name's not Lee. My name's not Hey You. My name is Dad. Are you with me? Respect. When my children address you, they're going to address you as Mr. Mike or Mr. Jeff or, or Miss Ann. By the way, when I address you and you're, you, you have the rank that you deserve of being uh, 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 old enough to be my mom or grandma, you're probably going to get it too just for me. I remember being here for the very first time, and I went up to, I don't even remember who it was. And I said, good morning, Mrs., and I don't remember who it was. And she said, you don't have to call me Miss." I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Respect. I'm going to take it a step further, and this is where people might start getting upset with me, but I, I'm telling you, we need to learn and teach our children the respect of the officials of our country. I may not always agree with what's happening. I may not always like what's going on. But I should teach my children to respect them. I should teach my children to respect those that enforce the laws of our country. I should teach them to respect those that make the laws of our country. I should teach them to respect those that, 
that hold those positions. They may not always agree, and certainly we're not always all going to agree about it. But we can respect each other. We can respect each other. You see, that's what's lost in our country. We've lost respect for human life. We've lost respect for one another. We've lost respect for, for, for the very nature of, of who we are. Can I remind you of something? Can I, can I please remind you of something? That God formed all of us in the womb. God created every human soul and every human person on this planet. And therefore we should have respect. It should be reciprocated respect. But in order for it to be reciprocated, it must be taught. There should be respect for that flag that sits over there. We should not be afraid to put our hands over our hearts when a national anthem is sung. Respect. I don't think only respect needs to be taught. I think what falls in line with respect is that of obedience. By the way, obedience starts with the oldest person in this room. The Bible says, obey them that have the... It got quiet in here, I know, you just hang on. Obey them that have the what? Rule over you. Listen, you want to talk about our nation and you want to talk about our response. Our response is not a physical response. Our response is a spiritual response. I want you to turn to one other uh, passage of scripture with me. I promise you I, I won't prolong this. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11 and verse 24. The Bible says this. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Did you see that? Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. What is the Christian's response to everything that's happening in our world? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. We are in a corporate environment here this morning that typically you come in, you sing a few songs, you shake a few hands, you sing a few songs, you listen to somebody sing, and you sit down and you listen to me preach. That's what you expected when you walked in this morning. I get it. And what happens many times in that environment, which is, I believe, exactly what God has called us to do on a weekly frame 
but we become accustomed to it. We just become accustomed to it. I'm just going to come in, and I'm going to sing a few songs. Somebody's going to play a little song. Somebody's going to sing a little song. The, guy, the, the preacher's going to give up, and he's going to give a little speech, and we're going to pray, and we're going to go home, and I'm going to feel good because I went to church. Well, this morning, we're not going to do that. This morning, I feel very compelled, and I pray that you do not feel uncomfortable, but I feel very compelled that we just need to stop, and we need to pray. That's what we need to do. We need to seek God's face. We need to get ourselves in a place where we are completely in tune with God. And we kind of stop for a moment and do our own spiritual checkup. And say, where am I at? What, what am I teaching my children? What am I teaching my grandchildren? What am I teaching my nephews and my nieces? What am I teaching, my, what am I, what am I teaching those that are around me? Where, where am I at in that? Am I teaching them that it's okay that, that we don't go to church? Or am I teaching them it's okay that other things are more important? Am I teaching them that, that reading your Bible and praying is important and I'm doing it by example? Or am I just picking up my Bible frantically looking for it on Sunday morning before I go to church? You say, Pastor, you've been, you've been harping on this. I have. And I'm going to tell you why. Because every time I turn on the news, I realize that prayer and Bible reading is no longer in school. And it's barely in our homes. And if we're only coming to church every four to six weeks, it's barely in their lives. You realize that as a church, we show up here at 1030 on Sunday mornings. By noon, typically, we've gone home. So we get an hour and 30 minutes with your children. And you expect us to be able to get everything they need spiritually in one hour and 30 minutes. It's not going to happen. It's just not. I can't do it. You have them. Every single day. What are you instilling in them? What are you teaching them? You say, Pastor, I'm not really teaching them anything. Yeah, you're teaching them something by example. I think we need to pray. I don't think we just need to pray today. I think we need to pray tonight. I think we need to pray tomorrow. I think we need to pray on Tuesday and Wednesday. I think we need to open our Bibles and read them. I think we need to, to, to bring everybody together and read it and pray. You say, Pastor, that, that's just not a typical thing. I know. It needs to become typical. It desperately needs to become typical. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you, you can pray by yourself. You can find somebody that's near you to pray with. You can go get your children and pray with them here. You can get your teenager and bring them over to you. You can pray here at this altar. You can pray right there in your chair, whatever you want to do. You say, Pastor, this is different. This is not what I expected. I understand that. But this is what I know. If we don't start praying, it's, not, it's just going to keep declining. If we don't start praying and teaching and, and, and really seeking God's face, it's just going to continue declining. You say,
say, Pastor, there's just, just a few of us. I understand that. But do you understand there were just a few in Gideon's army and look what he accomplished. Are you with me? I think we need to pray. You say, Pastor, I, I, and, and let's just be real with each other this morning. I, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm, I'm not calling anybody by name. I, I'm, if anybody's being called out by name, it's me. You say, Pastor, I don't even know how to pray. I, I, I don't know how to, how, to, how to talk to God. As you've listened to me for the past 20 minutes, that's exactly how you talk to God, just like I've talked to you. There's no special formula. There's no special saying. No, nothing that you have to memorize. It's just you and God. Or you and the person next to you or around you or your family and God. That's all it is. You don't have to be even verbally. You, you don't have to do that. You can. You can do it in your mind. You, you, but, but can I tell you, take, take your mind off of everything else that's going on in your life and let's focus. Let's focus on God. We're going to pray. You do it however you desire. But would you just pray and seek God's face and ask him to help you right this very moment. We're not going to have music playing. We're just going to have a very silent moment. You can pray out loud if you desire. There is nothing wrong with that. But in a few moments, I'll come back and we will pray again together as you pray with yourselves.
our Father in heaven. Lord, you know my heart this morning. Lord, I pray that you hear our prayers. Lord, our country is in dismay. And our country has been in peril time for many years, not just this past week. And Lord, I know that there are signs of your coming, but you tell us in the wake of the signs of your coming that we're to watch and pray. You tell us to pray without ceasing. The disciples wondered, how do you pray? You taught them to pray. You tell us to ask and we will receive, seek and will find, knock and it will be open unto us. You tell us continually throughout your word to pray. And I believe that the reason that you've repeated it so much throughout your word is because it's something that is so easily forgotten in the midst of times in our lives where we feel like we don't need to pray. We've forgotten how important it is to teach our children to pray. To teach our children to read the word of God. To instill in them respect and love and obedience. And all the things that you've taught us throughout your word. That it is the parental responsibility to do that which you've called us as parents to do. And grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of those that have influence. It is not the church's responsibility even though we partner together. God, I pray today that we will as families rise up. That we will rise up and do what you've called us to do. Be who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for our country. Lord, I pray for all the events that are taking place. I pray for the fear that is amongst many today. The uncertainty of what may happen next. God, I pray that you'll watch over and protect. I pray that we'll understand that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, in all aspects. I pray that we'll understand that we serve a righteous judge. I pray that we understand that you are a God of justice but that you are also a God of mercy. God, I pray for every person that's under my voice today. Lord, I pray that they will see my heart. Lord, I pray that they will understand the importance of today and why we've just done what we've done. I pray that the words will not be twisted I pray that our hearts will not be turned away. 
pray that we will see our need in this world. This world needs people to share and show the love of Christ. This world needs people that will stand up and be the beacon of hope and the lighthouse. This world needs once again to see Jesus. God, I pray that they will begin to see Jesus starting in my own life and the lives of everyone that's here. But I pray that we will not make this a time to choose sides and to go to war. But rather, it will be a time that we get on God's side and let him fight the battle. And we do just what we are called to do, which is to pray and to seek your face. Lord, we love you. But I pray that this will be the beginning of a time in each one's life that it could really, really spark a revival of prayer. It could spark a revival of reading our Bibles. It could spark a revival of change in our families. Lord, but it's got to begin with us. It's got to begin with our decision. It's got to begin with us saying, yes, I am going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do my part. Then may they take that fire and that spark and spread it to those who need it. Lord, that's my response. My response is, is that we just need to turn back to God. But I know it's not easy and it's sometimes very difficult. But God, that's what you've called us to do and to be. We, we read by example that even in the lives of those throughout the scriptures, it was not easy to take a stand. But God, that's what you called them to do and you gave them the strength and the power to do it and to overcome. And so God, I pray that you will do the same for us. Lord, we love you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask our praise team to come back to the stage. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing together. Here's where I want to kind of end this thing today. We are a church. And we are to stand united together. We are to be helpers to one another. I believe with all my heart that God could still send revival to our country. I believe with all my heart that God can still change lives and hearts. And I believe that because he hasn't come back yet. 
I believe that because he's still working in our midst. I believe that because he's promised it. He's promised that he'll not leave us or forsake us, which means he's within us, which means revival is still possible. Revival will never start if there's division. Revival will never start if we're not all on the same page. Here's my encouragement. My encouragement is that we take our friendship and our fellowship to another level. It's no longer what are you having for dinner or what are you cooking tonight. It's what did you read today. What can I pray with you about? It's, no, it's not always about how are the kids. It's what are you teaching your children that maybe I could get from you so I could teach my children. It's time that we work together. In this God-ordained world to do and accomplish the things that God has called us to do. Encouragement. Prayer. Notice I didn't say gossip, I said prayer. I have a friend who every once in a while, probably about at least once a week, I'll get a little message and it'll say this. It won't say hi. It won't say how you doing. It won't say, uh, uh, what did you have for dinner last night? This is what it'll say. How can I pray for you today? I'm about to pray. How can I pray for you today? You see, that's friendship. That's Christian love. That's fellowship. How can I pray for you today? Hey, let me encourage you by a little text of something that I read this morning. The Bible says iron sharpeth iron. That's friendship. That's Christian love. What are we doing? What are we doing? The only thing that will last from here to heaven is what we do for God. It's time we become prayer warriors. It's time that we become Bible readers. It's time that we begin to get our priorities in the place that they need to be. Teaching our children and grandchildren and those others around us the importance, even if their own parents are not teaching them the importance. time that we rise up. Would you stand with me this morning? Tyler, would you throw none like you up on the screen for me, please? We're going to sing this song together. There really is none like Jesus Christ and God. Could I, could I encourage you today? Really 
really seek him. I'm not going to give a formal invitation. We've had our prayer time. We're going to sing this song, and this song is over. We're going to prepare for the offering, and I'll give a few announcements, and we'll go home. But I want you to know something today that my prayer is, is that you will make a determination in your life to make prayer a real matter of importance and to make your own personal study a real matter of importance because that is the only way, that is the only way we're ever going to spark a revival within ourselves or within anybody else. And it all starts with the one that there is no one like. Let's sing together.